Chapter Ten of The Flying Stingaree by Harold Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Ferrari. Chapter Ten. Ken Holt comes through. Somewhere in the oak trees across the creek, a cardinal sang his lovely evening song. An osprey, etched in black against the dark blue of the sky, whirled in lazy circles, watching the water below. A muskrat appeared briefly, his sleek head making a V of ripples in the calm water. Rick and Scotty sprawled comfortably in beach chairs on the lawn in front of Steve's house, sipped the last of their iced tea, and watched the movements and listened to the sounds in companionable silence. Both boys admitting that, for the immediate present, they were slightly overdosed with rich food, had agreed to settle for a sandwich and iced tea a brief stop at a store en route back from the post office had provided the necessities rick was physically relaxed but mentally active it was characteristic of him that he never let go of a puzzle until he had found a solution or had tried all possibilities and been forced to admit defeat he was a long way from defeat at the moment the case of the flying stingaree was just getting interesting what are the flying stingarees? he asked quietly. Scotty shifted position in his chair and looked at Rick quizzically. You don't expect an answer, but I can tell you a few things. They are not. Tell away, Rick urged. They are not flying saucers, aircraft, kites, stingrays, birds, fish, or good red herrings. Beyond that, deponent saith not as the legal boys say uh-huh and why are they not flying saucers for the same reason they're not aircraft if you recall all the talks with people who've seen them they don't maneuver and they don't travel very fast they appear or they're noticed let's say and they just get smaller and smaller until they vanish they move but not much rick nodded the circle we drew around all the sidings doesn't cover a very large territory all the sightings had been within that circle. People had to look toward Swamp Creek to see the objects. Yet, they did something interesting. They grew smaller. What makes things seem to grow smaller? Apparent size decreases with distance, Scotty replied promptly. Sure, and how do you get distance when the sightings are all within a circle, only a few miles in diameter? Only one way, with altitude. The things had to be going up rick agreed that's how i figure it too it also explains why the circle of sightings is so small above a certain altitude the objects are no longer visible or they're not so visible that they attract attention i suppose we could work out some calculations how large an object can be seen readily at what distance then we could apply a little trigonometry and figure their size we could scotty agreed but do we need to let's assume the object you saw was typical how big was it rick thought it over he had had only a quick glimpse and the background had been the gray of the storm his vision had been obscured because of the rain maximum of ten feet across and maybe eight tall it was probably less okay so the reason sightings are confined to this area is because the objects are fairly small 
when people see them they're relatively close and fairly low even the small planes that fly from the airfield are much bigger than the flying stingarees but when the planes go over at about five thousand feet they seem tiny at that altitude the flying stingarees must be at the limit of really good visibility i read you loud and clear so the objects are sent from calvert's favor and they climb they don't climb straight up though the wind carries them the reason i think so is that the one i saw must have been driven by the wind right down the creek toward me it didn't climb until it got away from the funneling effect of the creek and into the river then it went up pretty fast at least it seemed to have risen fast when i looked over the top of the boat at it scotty crunched an ice cube we're getting somewhere there's only one kind of unpowered vertical rising thing i know of are you with me rick finished his drink balloon he said crisply on the beam scotty approved the only thing that doesn't fit is the shape rick asked what's a balloon it's just a gas-tight container we're used to thinking of balloons as spheres because it's the most efficient shape for internal pressure but a balloon can be any shape another thing balloons for high altitudes aren't fully inflated on the ground maybe the flying stingarees have a different shape when they get higher and in less dense atmosphere where the gas distends them an odd shape could be used as camouflage too if you didn't want people to recognize the balloon but why would a strange assortment of characters like merlin and company send up balloons scotty wondered rick smiled i've been wondering that myself would they send up a balloon that didn't carry something i don't know was the one you saw carrying anything rick sat upright maybe it was you know i haven't even thought of it since then but i think there was a splash when it went by something sort of clanged off the rail over me even if it didn't dent the rail do you suppose the thing dropped its payload right next to us you'll have to decide that scotty said if you heard something bounce off the rail then a splash i'd say there might be a pretty good chance that's what happened i couldn't see any marks on the rail when we looked they had checked the rail during the first day at steve's rick closed his eyes and made himself remember what it had been like when he went down the catwalk to the bow his mind drew a picture and he saw himself bent forward into the wind in his memory he felt the slashing rain the slipperiness of the wet anchor line he could visualize the water whipped into dimpled wavelets by wind and rain he saw the flying stingery loom and saw himself dropping flat there had been a clang as something hard hit the rail there had been a splash he went over it again searching his memory for details he had forgotten or which had only registered vaguely at the time he studied the shape and texture of the object he had seen so briefly he saw its red eyes open and glare at him saw the extended claws reaching he came out of his chair with a yell arms extended to defend himself scotty stood next to him in the darkness hey take it easy rick i didn't think i'd startle you so when i shook you rick stared did i fall asleep i must have i was trying to remember and suddenly i was dreaming about red eyes and claws 
scotty laughed softly if you've got to have nightmares at least do it in comfort let's go to the boat and go to bed rick dreamed no more of the flying stingarees in the morning he couldn't have said what his dreams had been about except that they had been pleasant in the bright glare of morning the whole thing seemed dreamlike it was preposterous to imagine that flying objects probably balloons shaped like stingarees were launched from a famous mansion that dated back to the days of the early maryland colony but the sighting data couldn't be ignored dreamlike or not something strange was going on in calvert's favor the boys breakfasted in the farmhouse reducing steve's supply of eggs substantially and wiping out the bacon reserve we'll have to shop sometime today rick observed steve has plenty of food here but we don't want to use it when there's a store so close sure scotty agreed but when it may have to wait until we go after steve we can't very well leave the house or at least both of us can can hold my call rick nodded and poured himself a cup of coffee he had thought of that they had to give ken time to get the picture and check it out by the latest they should hear before noon unless the job turned out to be very difficult that would leave four hours before they would have to leave the house to pick up steve four hours was time enough for the investigation rick had in mind after breakfast they settled down with the data sheets and notebook to review them once more but only one additional fact emerged two people thought but weren't absolutely sure that they had seen a spurt of fire from the flying stingarees rick wondered if they had seen a sudden flare of sunlight from some highly reflective part of the object it was two minutes before nine when the phone rang both boys jumped but rick got there first hello rick this is ken why don't you give us something hard to do the envelope arrived three minutes ago and i was just taking the picture out when sandy walked in he took one look and asked what i was doing with a snapshot of lefty chameleon the hair is white and the mustache is gone but it's lefty rick gasped my sainted aunt of course i should have known it myself there's more sandy recognized lefty's small friend too this is an odd one rick the man is dr elbert k drews he was fired six months ago by space electronics industries it was a big story for us because the plant is located in the next town the reason he was fired came out during the monopoly investigations turned out he had been selling the firm's industrial secrets to its competitors it was a shock because he had such a big reputation as an electronics wizard he got some kind of national prize a year ago for developing a new high-speed system for something let's see here's my note it says dr drews was the originator of a new and unusual system for the rapid telemetry of data from space the system is considered remarkable for its compactness and speed of operation the ground installation is scarcely larger than a console model television set hope that means something to you rick thanks a million ken it seems to fit but i'm not sure how let us know if you find out and if we can do anything else you know the phone number we'll call if anything comes up thanks again ken rick hung up and stared at the phone thoughtfully trying to fit this new information 
into the scheme of things scotty had been sitting on the edge of his chair since the conversation started he said with some exasperation well out with it mr merlin is lefty chameleon his pal is an electronics wizard who was fired by space electronics industries for selling industrial secrets to the firm's competitors rick rapidly sketched in the rest of the conversation scotty sank back into his chair his hair was black and now it's white he must have been keeping it dyed and decided to go natural and he shaved off that mustache probably that was dyed black too you're right rick shook his head in dismay lefty chameleon whose first name was thomas was a notorious crime syndicate leader who had come into prominence about two years ago during senate investigations of racketeering in three days chameleon had become a television personality of sorts when it became clear that he apparently was responsible for a number of murders and a thousand lesser crimes although he himself had not done the actual killings there was insufficient evidence to jail him but enough to deport him he dropped out of sight while his lawyers were fighting the deportation proceedings now he had shown up again on the eastern shore a crime syndicate chief a crooked scientist flying stingarees an old mansion a peculiar antenna and a missing crabber what does it add up to rick demanded scotty shrugged he didn't answer there was no answer yet End of chapter ten